today, just going to talk to you about the idea of how do you forgive? That is a question that I want you to think about. And you can look at that two ways. You can look at what ways do I forgive? Or how good am I at forgiving? Am I someone who will forgive easily? Will I only forgive if I think someone deserves it? Do I half forgive? Like I'll say I'll forgive you, but I'll be keeping an eye on you. And if I see that behavior again, I'll be jumping on you and like getting even madder at you because you're doing it again. Or how do we actually forgive? How do we actually do this? And it's really the second way that I want to talk about today is how do we forgive in a way that God wants us to? I want to tell you about a guy in the Bible that has a whole book to his name. His name is Jonah. And it's only four chapters. And if you've never read the book of Jonah, it doesn't take long to read. And I encourage you to give it a read sometime this week. But I'm going to tell you the story of Jonah now, which is why I wanted a tiny bit of room to like move as I tell you the story. So Jonah is a prophet and he hears from God. And God says, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them what I've told you. I want you to pass on my message to the people of Nineveh. In case I need to mention, this is the Tanya version of the story. I'm not giving you a word-to-word verbatim, a word-for-word story from the Bible. So when you read it yourself, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try and add things. I'm not a big fan of adding things to what the Bible says, but I might use different words and whatnot to convey it. Anyway, so Jonah gets told to go to Nineveh. Doesn't like the idea. So he catches a boat. But he doesn't just catch any boat, he catches a boat going to a place called Tarshish, which is pretty much the opposite direction to Nineveh. So if Nineveh is where Daniel was, instead of going halfway there, he's like, I'm heading right over to the other side of the room. I want nothing to do with going to Nineveh. The Jewish people and the Ninevites were not really the best of friends. And so Jonah didn't want to tell the Ninevites what God wanted to say. So he gets in this boat and he's asleep. So he's quite comfortable on the boat. Down below, asleep on the boat and this massive wave and storm comes. So much so that all the other sailors who've been sailing for a very long time are scared. They're so scared that they go, we must have done something wrong. There's someone on this ship that has like angered the gods so much and that's why this big storm has hit our boat. Which one of us has done it? So they start asking each other, who's done it, who's done it? They wake up Jonah, sleeps through the storm, wakes up Jonah and Jonah, and they go, hey, who are you? And Jonah says this really interesting thing and I wanna get it correct, so I'm gonna read it. It's from Jonah chapter one, verse nine, and he answers them and he says, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heavens who make the sea and the land. So Jonah is really, really clear on his identity. He's really, really clear on who he is and who he belongs to, which I think is very good, like a really good point to remember as we look at this story. Now, Jonah had told the sailors that he was actually not doing what his God had told him to do. So when they heard which God this was, the sailors even now more panicked and they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? So they draw straws. 
actually, I think I've got the order wrong. They draw straws and then ask him who he is. So they draw straws and Jonah gets a straw that indicates you're the problem. So they ask Jonah who he is and he says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens and the seas. So they're like, oh no, this is really bad. So they try and row even harder and they try and like get through the storm and they can't. And Jonah says, you're going to have to throw me in the sea. My God will save me. I'm fine. Just throw me in the sea. So Jonah gets thrown into the sea and the sailors say, okay, but your God cannot blame us for anything that happens to you. Like if you die, we don't want the wrath of your God on us. And Jonah's like, no, 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 it's all good. Throw me overboard. So Jonah gets thrown overboard and gets taken by a big fish. Some people say a whale. The Bible doesn't actually tell us whether it's a whale, but we know it's big enough to have a human inside it. Now, Jonah doesn't die. He actually is alive in the fish. And as he's alive, he actually starts to pray. And he actually starts to remind God of who God is. At the very beginning of his prayer, Jonah says this, I cry out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Jonah repents. And the fish spits him out onto the land. So God says again to Jonah, hey, Jonah, want you to go to Nineveh and give them my word. So Jonah finally goes to Nineveh. And Nineveh is such a big place that it takes about three days to walk from one end of Nineveh to the other. So Jonah walks from one end of Nineveh to the other, crying out, 30 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. 30 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. Again and again and again. Everybody hears this. And as soon as the Ninevites hear what Jonah's word from God is, that they've got 30 days, then they're going to be destroyed, they fall on their knees, they rip their clothes, and they repent. The king himself gives an edict and says, even our cows are going to repent, like not going to eat, like we're going to fast, we're going to pray. And this is what it says in Jonah chapter 3. Then the king and his nobles sent out this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. I want to read that last bit again because I think it's really telling. This is not someone who fears God. The Ninevites are not a godly people. But God gives them this word through Jonah. They hear it. They repent, and the king says, perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from us. He's just hoping that God will. He's doing all this, not assuming that he will get forgiven, but hoping that maybe God won't destroy us. God hears the cry of the people. He has mercy towards them, and he doesn't destroy Nineveh. It'd be great if that was the end of the story, but that's not the end of the story because then Jonah comes and says, 
what on earth are you doing, God? I've just spent all this time telling these people they've got 30 more days and they're going to be destroyed. I'm so angry. I'd rather die than have these people live. And he even says this. This is in chapter four. He so complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn your back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted does not happen to these people. So there's no question that Jonah knows the character of God. But Jonah would rather have God's forgiveness to himself than God's forgiveness to everybody. Goes even more because Jonah sits up on a hill and looks over and waiting and hoping that God will change his mind. And a plant grows up overnight and gives him shade. And he's greatly relieved that this plant has grown up and given him shade. But then God sends a worm. And the worm destroys the tree. And this and Jonah again gets really mad and annoyed that this plant has been destroyed. And so this is what God says to Jonah in verse chapter four, verses ten and eleven. The Lord said to Jonah, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than a hundred and twenty thousand people living in spiritual darkness not to mention all the animals. Should I not feel sorry for such a great city? That is the very last verse that we find in the book of Jonah. And so we actually don't know what Jonah's response is beyond that point. But we have a story here of a person who knows his identity in Christ or in God, because it's the Old Testament doesn't really know Jesus. But he knows he's a Hebrew. He knows who his God is. He knows who his God is so much that he can declare that you are a merciful God, you are slow to anger, you have unfailing love. But the thing that trips him up is he wants that characteristic of God for himself, but not for these people who are so undeserving. And I wonder if we can sometimes be the same. That we know that our God is a forgiving God. We know how much we've been forgiven, but I don't know if that person deserves my forgiveness, let alone God's forgiveness. When it's relevant to us and impacts on us like a plant that Jonah gets and he gets really annoyed that this plant gets destroyed, but these people who he sees as just violent and awful people doesn't care about them. He cares more about a plant because it impacts on him than people. How do we forgive? Jesus tells us when someone comes to him and says, how many times shall I forgive? They say, oh, should I forgive seven times? And Jesus said, you should forgive 70 times seven. 
pretty much you should forgive so much that you can't count how many times you have to forgive because you forgot what number you're up to. That is not easy. For some people, it's not easy to forgive themselves. It's easy for other people to be forgiven, but to forgive myself, to accept forgiveness from other people or accept forgiveness from God, that's the thing that trips them up because they know everything that they know who they are. They know the crap that's in their lives. They know the times that they have failed, the times that they've tried and not got it wrong, the, th the times that they've done things that are deliberately against God. And they think, you know what? I can get that God can forgive that person. I don't think his forgiveness is for me. For others of us, we think that, well, I deserve forgiveness because I'm really, I am really sorry for the thing that I did. There were so many circumstances around it that I could explain as to why it was that I made the choices that I made, even though they might not have been the best choices, but I can sort of justify to myself, because I know myself, why you or God should forgive me. But that person over there who keeps on mucking up, who has hurt me so much, I don't think I can forgive them. So what do we do when we find ourselves in a situation where we cannot forgive? We all know that God tells us to forgive. It's probably not a surprise if I tell you that Jesus actually says, forgive so you can be forgiven. That if you can't forgive your brother, how can you expect God to forgive you? So we're not talking about something that's just a, yeah, if you forgive or not, no big deal, doesn't make an impact on your life. What we actually do with forgiveness makes a massive difference to our relationship with other people and it makes a massive difference to our relationship with God. Matt talked really briefly about bitterness last week when he was talking about transformation. And bitterness and unforgiveness are so closely tied because that often is what happens when we can't forgive someone. Every time their name is mentioned, every time their perfume that they wear comes past, every time that song comes on the radio that you used to sing with them, whatever it is that triggers that person, the bitterness starts to rise. And the more bitter we get, the more we can justify the position that we hold. And it actually stops us from having real relationships with other people, even if that person's not even in our lives anymore. The bitterness that we hold against someone can actually stop us from having an honest, vulnerable relationship with other people. And it definitely impacts the way that God and our relationship is. When it comes to communion, the Bible actually says, if you're about to take communion and you remember that you've got, that that brother has something against you, stop what you're doing, go, go sort it out and then come. Because you want to be able to say before God, there is no bitterness, but that's not easy. And it's not easy for lots of reasons. One reason can be that sometimes people don't care. There are some people who have hurt us who are never going to ask for forgiveness, 
never going to change their ways and don't even care that they've hurt you. And so it's easy to justify why should I forgive them? The thing is, it's making no difference to them and a whole lot of difference to you. Sometimes we can think, boy, I've forgiven them, they did it again. I forgave them, they did it again. Like how many times and how many chances do I have to give them when they keep on hurting me, they keep on doing the same thing and they say they're going to do better but they never even try to do it better. They just say, forgive me, I say, oh, yes, I forgive you, and then they just go back to the same ways. Now, that's where we need to understand the difference and what actually repentance actually means. If someone is actually repentant, it actually doesn't mean that they just want forgiveness. It actually means they want to change their ways. Repentance is about saying, I realize what I've done and the consequences of what I've done. And I'm so grieved that I have done that I'm going to try and turn in the completely opposite direction so that I do not do that thing again. That's actually what repentance is about. It's about turning, turning from the way that you were to a new way, which is not just saying, hey, will you forgive me? Yes, you will. Great. Now we're fine. But actually, we can forgive people even if they aren't even asking for it. Jesus did this when he was on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross in Luke 23, and I'm only going to read the first half of 34, says this, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. In all the gospel stories of Jesus on the cross, nobody comes up to him and says, hey, Jesus, we've seen the errors of our way. We're going to try and do better. Can you forgive us? Nobody asks for Jesus' forgiveness. But Jesus still does forgive them. And so if we want to be people that walk in the ways of Jesus, we need to be people forgive. Now, I do think it needs to be said just in case there's anybody who hears this and thinks forgiveness means our relationship needs to restore to the way it was. I don't think that is the case. Forgiveness means I no, hold no bitterness towards you. It does not mean you have to be so close to me that you can hurt me again. It means I can love you, but I also can put boundaries that mean that I'm safe and you're safe and this relationship is actually a healthy one. So this is not about being people who have unhealthy relationships because all we do is forgive and by forgiving we let people step into places that they never should have been in the first place and they continue to hurt us but we continue to forgive and they continue to hurt us. There's actually a difference there. But having a healthy relationship can say I love you I forgive you. I'm going to make sure that the relationship that we have is one where I'm not going to be hurt by the ways that you act anymore and I'm going to put things in place so that that can actually happen. But that is still forgiveness because there is no bitterness in that. That is actually a loving act towards the person. 
it's not a boundary that is there because of hurt. Does that make sense? And if that, and, and it is, it can be a tricky line because we can say that we're being healthy when we're really actually just being bitter. We can say I'm putting a boundary up, but really we're putting a wall up. And I think it takes wisdom that is beyond us to know the difference between the two. But I think it's worth saying that there, sometimes boundaries need to be put in place and forgiveness does not just mean the person gets to just do whatever they want and hurt you again and then ask forgiveness and then just do it all over again. So how do we forgive? What do we do? The great thing is that God actually never asks us to do something that he doesn't give us the ability to do. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says this, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So if God is calling us to be able to be people who can forgive and to forgive often and to forgive well, then he is the one who gives us the ability to do that. So how we forgive is not by trying really hard it's not by pretending that we're not feeling and that it's all up to us it's actually about surrendering to be able to forgive someone else we can surrender our own will and say hey god not my will but your will be done god i do not like this person i'm finding it really hard to forgive them but i know that you want me to give me your love for this person I don't know what to do, God. I don't know how to forgive. I want to forgive, but I don't know how to. Give me the wisdom. And the Bible makes it really clear when we ask for wisdom, he gives it to us. When we surrender and we are weak, he is strong. And so when we find it hard to forgive people, it's not about us trying harder, it's not about us saying, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Oh, yeah, I've got to just like keep on reminding myself. But it's about surrendering ourselves and saying, God, I'm so weak, I cannot do this on my own. But in you, I'm strong. And so not my will, but your will be done. I don't even, even when we don't want to, I don't want to forgive, but I want what you want more than what I want. And this bitterness and this breaking of relationship and this breaking of my connection with you is so not what I want. And so I need to forgive and help me too. Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And the reason he tells us to pray is because you might start off praying really begrudgingly and saying, okay, God, yes, I pray that you will bless that person. But as you surrender yourself in that situation, as you actually think about the other person, you will find that you will actually get to start seeing things in that person that God sees. You can see them as a child of God. You can see them as a person who needs forgiveness, just like we all do. And as we pray for people, it actually can help us to be able to forgive them because we are actually thinking about them, we're thinking about what God wants and we're not thinking about ourselves and the bitterness that we are holding. 
And forgiveness sometimes is something that actually does take time. And there can be situations when you're like, cool, I'm fine. I've forgiven that person. I prayed to God. It's all good. I'm fine. And then sometimes, like for me, remember something happened where like five years later, something came up and it like hit me and I'm like, oh, I actually thought that person didn't cause that anxiety and that bitterness. And God's like, well, you forgot that there was this area that you just ignored. And so you have to actually now work on that area because this area was fine, but you forgot that little bit because it was just a little bit, but now it became a bigger bit five years later when you didn't even know it. If we want to be people who have the abundant life that God wants us to, living in relationships that are healthy, being able to live without bitterness, Forgiveness is a big thing. And so the great thing is God told us that this is something he wants us to do. So we don't have to actually worry about it. We just have to actually surrender ourselves and surrender our will to God and say, hey, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. If it's really tough, I don't know how I'm going to do this but I want what you want for me more than I want the bitterness and the hatred and the, and the desire for revenge or even just the annoyance. It doesn't have to even be bigger than just, I don't want to talk to that person because they annoy me. But God actually gives us all that we need to be able to forgive. And so that actually brings us freedom, not only in this area, but in every area. And it actually can give us the confidence. It even can give us the confidence sometimes to step into situations that are not going to be easy because we know that God will give us the strength that we need as we talk to that person. Because sometimes forgiveness is something between you and God and the person is not involved annoyingly. I've tried this before. Hey, God, I'll forgive them. They don't need to know that I held any bitterness towards them. I'll just forgive them between you and I, and I'll just, act, I'll just treat them differently. Do you mean like I'll just try and treat them nicer and then I don't need to go and talk to them? I don't know if that's worth for you, but more often than not, God's gone, no. You actually have to go and even if they didn't know, you need to go and actually say, I haven't been thinking about you in the best possible light. And I need to ask you forgiveness. Or sometimes they know when you actually have to have a conversation. And that's a lot harder. It's easier for me anyway, probably for you. It's easier to talk to God and go, God, can't you and I just deal with it? Why do these people think have to get involved? But God gives us the strength to do that too. And when we bring things into the light, instead of just hiding it away, we can actually find that relationships can be strengthened that that elephant in the room that we try and avoid gets lifted. And not only does it impact on that relationship that there was issues with, but it actually can have a greater impact when that's gone for the relationships that we get to have corporately or with other people because we don't have that hanging over us anymore. Jonah knew who he was. 
He knew that he was a Hebrew and he knew who his God was. He knew that God was a merciful God, that he was slow to anger, that he was unfailing in love, that he did not want to destroy Nineveh. And he knew that God would forgive him when he got thrown out of the boat. So he repented and God did. But then when it came to God forgiving other people, that was a step too much, especially people that are so violent and against God. But God can't be one without the other. If God cannot forgive everybody, then he cannot forgive you. So the fact that we know that we are forgiven by God means that everybody can be forgiven by God. And for us to hold back that forgiveness is not being a good representation of God. And sometimes if we can't let people know that God actually can forgive you, then we're actually not showing the wholeness of who God is and his character. Because God is a God who so wanted to forgive that he set up a system so he could. In the Old Testament, once a year, the sacrificial system was all about forgiveness. Jesus dying on the cross, all about being forgiven. And so we should be people who actually know and understand that we're forgiven. When Jesus met the woman who was caught in adultery, the man was stoning him and he wrote something on the, in the sand and all the guys disappeared. He said something to the woman. He said, I do not condemn you. But then he also said, now go and sin no more. So forgiveness is not about saying, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. It's about, I will forgive you. And let's move in the other direction, away from the hurt, away from the sin towards God or towards other people. Because God actually puts the two together. He doesn't just say, I forgive, go live your life. And if you're unsure of that, you just need to read Romans. Because Paul is really clear in the beginning of Romans that like, should we go on sinning so grace can in increase? By no means. We should actually try harder not to sin because we understand the grace and the forgiveness that we have. The woman who put perfume on Jesus' feet. Jesus says this quote that is so simple but so deep. There's those who forgive, who are loved much, love much. Those who understand how much they have been loved, how much they have been forgiven, find it a whole lot easier to pass on the love and the forgiveness that God has. And so I just want to leave you with a couple of things. If God is prompting you and there's someone that you need to forgive and you can't, how fantastic is it that God can? And God can give you all that you need to be able to forgive. And if you find forgiveness hard, if you find holding on to bitterness much, much easier than forgiving, spend some time in God's word. Spend some time remembering how much you have been forgiven. Because when we realise how much God has forgiven us, it's a whole lot easier for us to be able to pass on that forgiveness, the forgiveness of God, but also our own forgiveness to other people. 
And sometimes you actually need someone to help you. Sometimes it is something that you can pray and seek God on. And sometimes there are things that are so entrenched that we actually need someone to keep us accountable, to walk with us, to pray with us and to actually help us to forgive. So can I encourage you that if something comes up and you find it really hard to carry on your own, that God has put us in community for a reason. And that is so that our burdens can be carried by each other. And so if this is something that as you think about it, as God brings things to mind in the coming days, if the weight is too much to carry, please do not carry it on your own. Please reach out to someone and say, I can't do this. I want to, but I can't. And God loves that kind of place. It's much easier than thinking we're self-sufficient and can do it on our own because we can't. And let someone else help carry the burden, speak truth into your life, remind you of the lies that are lies and the truth that are truth, that can pray with you and actually help you get to a place where you can find the freedom and the release that forgiveness brings. Forgiveness for ourselves, forgiveness for other people. We pray. Hey God, we are just, the whole reason that we are here, God, is because you are a God of forgiveness. The whole reason that we can know you um, and we have your Holy Spirit is because you don't hold our sin against us, but you did all that you could so we could have forgiveness, God. And each one of us have accepted your forgiveness, Lord, and that's why we're in your family and that's why we know you, God. And so I pray, Lord, that we will be people that will be able to lead others into your forgiveness, that we will be able to be people who, when it is hard to forgive, that we turn to you and don't do it in our own strength, but we release and surrender ourselves to your will. And I really want to pray, God, that if there's people here who are finding it hard to forgive, I want to thank you, God, that you are an everlasting loving God, that you are full of mercy and grace. And I pray that your mercy and grace would just fall upon them, that they will know your love and they'll know your presence, God. They'll know your kindness. And it is these things, God, that you will just envelop with them so much, God, that they will find it easier to surrender to what you want and not what they want, God. So thank you, God, for your forgiveness. We are so grateful, Lord, that you do not hold our sin against us. And I pray that we will be a church and a people who do not hold the sins of others against them, God, but will be able to surrender our will to your will, God, and forgive not out of our own strength, but out of the strength that you give us. Amen.